Hallelujah, Christ is risen. All right, we'll get better. We got six more weeks. Every week, New York Times columnist David Brooks writes two columns. Without fail, one of them will make me think that this David Brooks is a sharp commentator who has some good ideas. The other one will make me wonder who on earth gave David Brooks a column in the first place. Now, thankfully, the column from this past Monday entitled, There Should Be More Rituals, was pretty insightful. Reflecting on the decline of personal and civic rituals in recent decades, Brooks writes, quote, We've become pretty casual over the years. We've become reasonably present-oriented. As a result, we've shed old rituals without coming up with new ones. We've unwittingly robbed ourselves of a social architecture that marks and defines life's phases. It's interesting to take Brooks's argument and think about it in terms of church life. We have two foundational rituals that we do in church. We call them sacraments, baptism, and Eucharist. And it's funny that while our culture has shed certain rituals as being too old-fashioned or too burdened with baggage, we have actually made the sacraments even more prominent in our life together. In the 1980s, most Lutheran churches did not celebrate communion every week. Only about 20% did. Now it's unusual not to have weekly communion. The Thanksgiving for baptism rite that we use in the ELW is another example of this re-centering of the sacraments. One of the things that the ELCA churchwide has been working on is an invitation to baptism, the same way we invite people to communion when we have lots of people here. So over the past 20 years or so, the sacraments have become much bigger in our life together. And yet it wouldn't be terribly difficult to imagine not having the sacraments at all. And many churches do just that, just have worship with prayers and readings and preaching and announcements, make up something new every week, just put the takeaways on a PowerPoint, sit back and watch for an hour. It's all ideas and words anyway, so why have tangible things? Receiving the sacraments doesn't actually make God love you more or change your relationship with God in some objective way. It's not like people who aren't baptized are going straight to hell. So why not just get rid of the sacraments entirely? One answer to that is to say, well, Jesus told us to baptize people, and Jesus told us to celebrate the Eucharist, so that's why we have sacraments. That answer is exactly right, and if you were in confirmation, I'd be very impressed if you said that. But that answer is also entirely unsatisfying. Why does Jesus tell us to do these rituals in the first place? If the church is about spirituality and forgiveness and grace, things you can't actually see, then why do we have these rituals that involve actual things? If the idea of church without sacraments makes sense to you, it makes sense to me, then you and me both have it exactly the wrong way around. Christianity, as it, involved, as it evolved in the years after Christ's death and resurrection, evolved as a meal fellowship. So before there were creeds, before there were denominations, before there was such a thing as Christianity with a capital C, there was this meal. Words that we so often use in church like ministry and minister evolved from this meal fellowship. To be a minister was to be a table server. Someone who set out food for the assembly, who made its invitation clear, and who served its abundance with people in need. 
So the church in its original conception is not a group of people with identical beliefs or the same religious experiences or the same doctrinal commitments, but a meeting of people around a meal. The ritual is the primary thing. But hopefully you can see a kind of inadequacy, inadequacy here. Because baptism and Eucharist may be rituals, but they're not rituals like singing the national anthem before a baseball game or setting off fireworks on the 4th of July. They're sacraments. They're a step beyond mere ritual. Sacraments are what occurs when God uses particular things, tangible items, physical reality, to increase in us the gifts of faith. Today's gospel story about Jesus and Thomas is at its heart a story about sacraments. When Thomas says he wants to come to faith in the resurrection, Jesus doesn't say, well, here's some logical proof about why it happened. Jesus doesn't say, just take my word for it. Jesus doesn't point to the empty tomb and say, I don't know, what do you think happened? No, Jesus says, reach out and touch my side. We come to faith not by thinking about God or reflecting on God or meditating on God, but by holding the body of Christ. So the Eucharist is Jesus' way, God's way of showing up to bring us to faith in God's promises. Whenever we say that we want to trust in the resurrection, Jesus says, this is my body given for you today. Exactly how Jesus shows up in the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, has been a source of controversy among Christians. That's an understatement. And I don't want to get bogged down in that right now, but I do want to think a little bit about how the Eucharist actually changes us. And this is going to be a little wonky, but stick with me for like two minutes here. When we talk about the sacraments, part of what we have to remember is that God is not an item in the universe next to other items. God does not occupy space the same way that you do or I do. In other words, God is not in competition with us, sort of barging into the universe by jostling us out of the way. If that idea feels hard to understand, think about Jesus. Jesus is both divine and human. He's not half God and half human, or 40% and 60% or 99 and 1%. He's fully God and fully human. And those two things are not in competition with each other, as if because Jesus is divine, he isn't quite as human anymore. So let's take that one step further and think about the Eucharist. In the Lutheran tradition, we believe that when we celebrate communion, the elements become, quote, the true body and blood of Jesus. Now, obviously, the word true is doing a lot of work in that sentence, but the basic idea is this. First, the Eucharist is not just a symbol that points us to something else. And second, more important for us, what happens when we celebrate the Eucharist is not that the bread turns into Jesus' body while still looking like bread on the outside. It's not 50% bread and 50% Jesus. To use our confessional language, Christ is in, with, and under the bread, but to put it in more poetic terms, when the bread becomes the body of Christ, it doesn't become any less what it already is. That last line is very important because it means that creation, things, people, the world we live in can communicate the grace of God without becoming any less of what they already are. Not only does the bread not become less bread when it conveys the grace of God, but you don't have to become any less you to convey the grace of God. 
In fact, when the Holy Spirit moves in you to proclaim the good news and transform you, transforms you into a conduit of God's mercy, you don't become any less of yourself. You actually become even more of yourself. That's the end of the wonky part of the sermon. The Orthodox theologian Alexander Schmemann got at this idea when he said that the liturgy of the Eucharist was the journey of the church into the dimension of the kingdom of God. Dimension's an interesting way to think about what the Eucharist is and what the kingdom of God is. It's not an escape from the world. It's not a symbol that points you to another thing which is actually important. It's not just a metaphor. It's a dimension that brings out the fullness of what's always there, but isn't always evident. In this way of thinking about the sacraments in general, and the Eucharist in particular, opens up the world in an interesting way. Because instead of saying, this is the place where God shows up, we can ask, if God shows up here in ordinary bread and wine, then where else is God capable of showing up? The Eucharist is not a container where God shows up on demand whenever someone with magic fingers says magic words, but an event in which the world is opened up to the fullness of God's presence around a community. So sacraments are not a magic trick where something becomes something else. They're an event in which we and all of creation becomes the truest version of ourselves. So when we think about what the sacraments give us, of course we should be thinking about grace and forgiveness and mercy and all those nice churchy words. But the Eucharist in particular should also give us a sense of curiosity about the world that we live in. Because Jesus shows up at this table, we always expect to be surprised at the other tables we find ourselves at. Because God's action doesn't require us to be any less ourselves, we always expect to find something new about ourselves when we gather together. And because we enter the dimension of the kingdom of God whenever we gather at this table, we always expect that new dimension to break through in the world too. A new dimension, a new confidence, and a new life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.